This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio. Man, you're in for a treat today. I know I, know I say that sometimes quite often, but, but I, I mean it. I mean it today. <laughs> so I uh, so I, I have a special guest in the in the office in the flesh, J, uh, Jason Hartman. Jason, you were on a couple a couple months ago. I think it was back end of end of last year. Uh, but you have an event here that you're doing uh, in Salt Lake on Saturday, and uh, and you stop by. You stop yeah. by and hanging out. Yeah, it's great to be here, Pat. I got to tell you, I am so impressed with your company and your office and your facilities. Wow, this place is amazing. It's, uh, you know, it's it's good not to do everything virtually all the time and to actually go out and and see things. And you know, we we all want to be efficient and save our time. And so a lot of us are, you know, in our home office or in our commercial office, and we're not out uh, seeing things. You know, I I remember like in the old days, I used to go out and see people more, and now. I just try to be more efficient, and so I'm doing a lot of stuff over Skype and with all the great tools we have. And you're super efficient. And, uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see uh, on that one. But, uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's really great to meet your staff and your team and, you know, just see your operation. I'm, I'm very impressed. And, and you're so humble. Like, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous, you know. Here's, here's Pat, folks, listeners, just so you know. Yeah, I make like half a billion dollars a year. Whatever. And, and I'm struggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not true. But, you know, but close. $499 million a year. Just no, kidding. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it, I love I love our office. I mean, it's kind of like there's a, there's an energy here that you know is really uh, I don't know it, it it energizes me. It's hard for me to like sit in my home office and do do stuff by myself. Right? I love being yeah. love being in groups. But anyway, well, you're you're a people person and you've got yeah. a great team of people. So it's uh, it's great to come here and you know I, I worked here most of the day yesterday mm-hmm. and you know I'm just kind of. Uh, being your office drop in today a little bit, and you brought your you brought your uh, your sidekick. Well, yeah, I brought my uh, laptop, but I brought my dog too, <laughs> and my dog is uh, having fun exploring was, your office. That was funny yesterday when she around. she came in and just like took off and started running around the office. That was amazing. She was nuts. I was so afraid she was going to break something. Everybody, I was thinking, oh my god, Pat's going to kill me, uh, and uh, and uh, she didn't break anything. No, she she, awesome. she did awesome. Yeah. She's great, well, amazing, amazing dog. Okay, so. Today we could you and I can talk for probably eons, we which can. is a curse. Which but, is a curse we but have. But let's give some value to your listeners Absolutely. and let's talk about um, let's talk about disruption. I mean, we are at this inflection point in history, I believe. And you know, Pat, maybe everybody thought this before. Maybe everybody thought this back when the steam engine was invented, or when you know when they just—I guess this is not an invention; it's more of a discovery. Uh, discovered how to make fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, certainly that's completely possible. But there are—we s- are at the convergence of so many technologies right now, and uh, you know, attribute this mostly to the internet and the network world, yeah. uh, where. Uh, and and of course you know the, the concept of the network by um, uh, you know the who was the person gosh I can't, that escapes me who invented the Ethernet I can't, of course I know this I can't just can't think of it right now the Ethernet yeah which is Al Gore no it wasn't Al Gore <laughs> <laughs> that was the Internet but, oh I forgot about but, it but actually when when um, when you know, Al Gore invented global warming, and then um, and then when that didn't quite work out, and there were too many skeptics, he invented the internet. <laughs> you know, joking, of course, uh, but uh, yeah, Al Gore takes credit for a lot of stuff. No, that no kidding. Just no, but it's isn't quite true. I, do, I can't remember. It, it was the open source idea was one of those things where 
you know, I, I think it was like a, it was a, it was a mining company and they opened, they gave kind of like their, the land that they owned and they opened everything up so that people with developers can go and they won some, they won like a million dollar prize or whatever. We have people all over the world taking the data from this mining company and showing like where, where the best do, place to mine, story. right? Yeah, that's And that, and that story, idea, yeah, right? I mean, look at who it's yeah. worked for. Like yeah. Salesforce has an open, you know, open back end where you can go in. There's a lot of other companies that are saying yeah. like, here it is, develop for me, right? Well, and they the, figure the out a way to monetize it. app stores, right? Yeah. You know, when, when Apple. Apple yep. opened their app store for the iPhone a long time ago. You know, uh, that was an amazing change. Yep. And I recently purchased a Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not, by the way, I should make the disclaimer, I'm not really necessarily a believer in the concept of the electric car, mm-hmm. but I am totally a huge believer in the self-driving car. And uh, uh, so that's the reason I, I dropped 110 grand for that car. But um, it's, uh, you know, the, the Tesla is, is about to open an app store. And so that car is really, it's called a computer on wheels. And so when I look at that screen in my car mm-hmm. in the console section of the, of the car in the middle, uh, you know, there there's an app store there that they are about to open. open? Wow, I had no idea. And people are going to start developing all kinds of third-party yeah. apps for yeah. a car. And this is a totally new concept. And, of course, the self-driving car is a giant revolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I tell you, folks, I don't think anybody has really come to grips with how big a deal the self-driving car is. Mm. And it is around the corner. This is happening so quickly. Um, I recently moved from the Socialist Republic of California to Arizona, and Mm. uh, I flew back to pick up my Tesla. And uh, basically, I want to say I drove back to Arizona with the car, but the car drove me. It drove you. It's amazing. I mean going around windy roads through the mountainous area in the desert at 80, 85 miles an hour, and the car is literally driving. I mean, it, it's freaky. That's trippy. It's hard to trust. Yeah. And uh, only three times now in driving that car have I taken the wheel away from the computer. It's it's driven all the rest of the time. And uh, it, it's an amazing time to be alive. I don't know I how I would men- mentally deal. I mean, that, and that's, so that's a great point because disruption, I mean, disruption has been a part of human, you know, human existence, right? It, it's, yep. and there's all, there's obviously degrees of disruption, but yeah, it's always absolutely. happening. And it always will happen just because of what's driving human beings. Now, the driving it's side of things- It's happened pretty gradually before though. Now it's like exponential we, in a sense. And the exponential time, as Peter Diamandis says, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's this convergence of all the technologies with the concept of the network. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, that saying from the, the Ethernet inventor was the value of a network increases by like the square of each node on the network. And each node is a person connected to the internet, yeah. right? And uh, so, like you said, the mining company that open sourced its mining operation. Mm-hmm. And so many things where people are crowdsourcing investment capital, where they're crowdsourcing ideas, where they're crowdsourcing how to you know decode the genome it's mind-boggling and if you want to read an incredible book not directly on this subject but sort of indirectly but very powerful uh and she has a ted talk too jane mcmonagle who wrote um reality is broken Hmm. and it's about the gamification of everything Hmm. and pat 
I mean, it is an amazing time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. But I was going to, and I look at, you know, you drive, you know, get, being driven by, by your right. car. Yeah. And, 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 and I put a chauffeur out of business. <laughs> well, the, the idea, I, I didn't have a chauffeur. I mean, before, as you were talking way, through that, yeah. I was thinking yeah. that, you know, you've talked to this on, on, about this on your podcast, but when you, when you were talking, I was like, I, I don't know how it would react if something was driving me because you're you've been so conditioned to drive and be in control. Now I when am you're a control not, freak. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's the thing. And so as this disruptive technology becomes a part of society, yeah. I mean, human beings right now, they don't like. Some people like change. Some people don't. But I I think if you really want to be able to take advantage. Uh, of what's coming down the pipe as far as society is concerned, whether it's business or any type of wealth building, you need to understand change and you need to be okay with change. Yeah, you need to be, you really need to embrace change. And, um, you know, I mean, we can go so many directions with this. If you, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about the self-driving car, it's interesting because one of the predictions I have made, and, uh, you know, I'm a real estate guy, okay? I, I help people invest in income properties nationwide, really conservative approach. Uh, you know, we're all about income. If appreciation comes, it's the icing on the cake. Uh, but let me make a prediction on pricing and the valuation of real estate, because this is hugely important for our economy. The, the impacts are so wide ranging. So the, the cardinal rule of real estate since the beginning of time, from the days of uh, he, you know, prehistoric humans living in caves mm -hmm. was location, location, location. And it still is the driving thing uh, that va drives real estate values. But if transportation becomes this sort of non-issue, if, if the concept of a commute becomes compressed into it being sort of a meaningless thing that mm -hmm. doesn't really impact you, uh, you know, where you don't have to drive, where you can sleep while the car drives you, where you can work, you can literally do yoga while the car drives you. You, you know, you could do whatever. You could play with your dog, play with your kids. Um, you know, I, I'm sure people will drive around making love, <laughs> okay? There's, <laughs> there's all kinds of things that this means, right? So it's a giant impact. And in the past couple of decades, there's been this new... Uh, movement and resurgence in real estate markets around the country because America uh, is really the, the founder of the concept of suburbia, okay? In the post-World War II baby boom generation, the suburbs became this very iconic American mm -hmm. ideal. Levittown, baby boomers coming back from the war. You know, uh, the, the two-bedroom, not the three-bedroom usually, but the two-bedroom, one-bath house in the suburbs with a white picket fence. Uh, maybe it was in Lakewood, California. Yeah. Maybe it was anywhere in Ameri anywhere America. You Became know, this, the American dream. That was the, and, and that's because of the romance built around the automobile in the 50s. Hmm. And, you know, fuel was cheap. Cars, America had the auto industry, you know, the world's auto industry. In fact, uh, if you go to Cuba, where progress stopped in 1959, it's like going back to, you know. 1959. Yeah. Maybe a little it's, bit it's amazing. The old cars they have there that are still held together with bubble cum and duct, and duct tape. Uh, and um, But the interesting thing is, my prediction is that there will be a, a renaissance in the other direction, in the suburbs. Hmm. Because... Living in the suburbs 
it has its benefits, right? You know, you can have a yard and a dog and, you know, it, it's kind of a nice in, environment mm-hmm. in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Now, the three block radius around everybody's house still really matters. The school districts will still matter to those who have children. Okay. Definitely important. But, you know, do, do you really need to live in an expensive area if... If, if commuting is not an issue, why can't you live 45 minutes or an hour away from your employment? Yeah. And maybe your employment won't even be a commute. I mean, for a lot of us, it isn't Virtual. anymore. We we literally walk across the hallway yeah. <laughs> to our home office. And so this is a big change. I'm telling you, I'm not exactly sure how it will play out. Nobody is. But it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Real estate is the biggest asset class on planet Earth. Okay. And this matters. The self-driving car matters. So a lot of things come into play here. Number one, what's known as packing density of cars on highways and freeways. Mm-hmm. Because the cars can be packed at a ratio of six times what they are now. When once they're self-driving cars. Once they're, well, not just self-driving, but network together. Okay. okay. Because when the cars start to communicate with each other, yep, then why can't they drive 90 or 100 miles an hour yep. two feet off each other's bumper, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if one stops a mile ahead, all the cars will know to stop. Mm. Now, this is all great until somebody hacks your car or, yeah. <laughs> or God forbid that Microsoft makes the software because that would be a mess. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm obviously an Apple fan. <laughs> but, uh, but the packing density matters. Mm. So that lessens the need for building new roads and highways. Uh, so much for Obama's shovel-ready myth of the, uh, the uh, jobs, you know, that he promised eight years ago, right? Um, and, and so that that's a big deal. Um you know, the, the whole idea of the commute is compressed. Uh, that doesn't become meaningful anymore. You could live in low-priced areas like Phoenix, and if you love the beach and love the ocean, your car on Friday evening at midnight, you can go, get in your car. Maybe and, w- and wake up at the beach the next morning. Yeah, refreshed at 7 a.m., yeah. and you can go surfing. You can hang out at the beach. You know, maybe it's a self-driving motorhome. Mm. Um, it is... A game changer. Mm. It's huge. Well, I think looking, you know, again, how things are going to play out, it's probably not going to be exactly how we how we predict. Because you have human beings that are always behaving, reacting, and a lot of it's irrational. So it's it's one of those things where paying attention to this type of disruptive technology, whether it's the self-driving car, whether it's network cars, uh, and whether it's other technology, it is going to ch- it's going to change the way that we live. It's going to change the way that we invest. It's going to change the way that we ourselves behave. But I think all the points that you've made are are incredibly valuable. But so looking at you know I, I posed this question to you yesterday because you're the you're the real estate guru. But looking at right now, there is a tremendous drive toward living in an urban area, right? And I gave and you- And I, I like that, by the yeah. way. I like the mixed use idea. I love the walkable communities. Yeah. So I'm a fan of that. But you, made gr- but you made great points yeah. because, you know, a lot of what's driving that is a younger generation. But as the younger generation, right now they're be- trying to be efficient, right? Because they're starting out, they're trying to find their career, they're paying off a, a load of student loan debt, trying to be very, you know, cognizant of where money is coming and where money is going. And But looking at as they pay off that debt, as they progress in their careers, you made a great point, which is that behavior is going to change. And what are they going to do next? And that's where suburbia, I mean, they're be having the convenience. And I like this because I only live a few minutes from out, 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 of, uh, out of town uh, or out of the city. But I like that because I'm close to everything. It's convenient. Okay, If I need to go here, 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 I can do that. But you made a great point. But you which live is... in a really expensive area. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so 
like, take Southern California, where I spent most of my life in the Socialist Republic, okay? Uh, love to bash California. Mm-hmm. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona now, by the way, just so everybody knows. But uh, most of my life mm-hmm. paying taxes to the uh, corrupt uh, socialist government of California. And in in that area, you know, when I lived in Orange County, California, I lived in Irvine and Newport Beach, two areas there. And the cheap real estate was out in Riverside, San Bernardino, comparatively. Which is west, right? And yep. a lot of people had to commute. They they would buy a house out in Riverside or San Bernardino counties, and they would commute into Orange County or Los Angeles for jobs. Mm. And they would spend their life on that freeway, and it would it would be terrible. But um, now that's, that's all going to change. Do you really need to have an expensive home in Newport Beach when you can have a much less expensive home in Riverside and that commute issue is largely gone. Now, the cost of energy is one of those considerations, but the cost of energy is plummeting. And uh, we'll see. I, this is a big deal. And I think it's going to uh, put downward price pressure on expensive real estate mm. that is based on location-heavy valuations. Mm. And it's going to put upward price pressure on lower price real estate where land has historically been less expensive because it doesn't have location 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 so, going for it so let me throw let me throw maybe a couple other ideas or wrenches wrenches okay. at throw you throw a wrench in my theory because <laughs> so looking looking at you know again the improvement of technology what people are doing it, it's really the it's it's what is driving a person to do it which is they want to, they want more with less they want better they want progress they want you know the the iPhone 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and I mean they want the new 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 and for less less cost so if you look at you know re- real estate in general uh, and and specifically real estate prices. What are what are some of the forces right now that are in motion that are drive that are going to be driving down whether it's construction prices, whether it's uh, the commodity that go into homes, whether yeah. it goes to the energy. Like, what question. are what are some of those forces which will affect real estate prices and maybe even uh, affect uh, rents uh, eventually? Yeah, great question. So we've got these conflicting forces going on. Uh, technology is quite obviously deflationary. Mm-hmm. Okay, it makes things less expensive and it makes them better. And we all know this. We don't have to, you know, my first cell phone cost $3,200. I actually financed it as a 19-year-old kid when I bought it. And um, uh, it uh, weighed 14 pounds. Okay. And now you can buy a much better cell phone that does a lot more for a lot less, obviously. But the, the, the conflicting force with technology, the countervailing force, is government and central mm. banks. And so as, as great as all this technological innovation is, the governments and the central banks really all around the world are, are doing their best they can to screw it all up yep. because they're, they create lots of inflationary pressure. And so the thing we don't understand is who will win, mm-hmm. which force is more powerful. Is it central banks and governments or is it technology? And I don't know the answer. Nobody does. It's impossible to predict. Nobody could predict this. Certainly Janet Yellen at the Federal Reserve doesn't know either. Nobody knows. But the way the government spends, as Ronald Reagan said, it was a great quote. He says, to say that the government spends like a drunken sailor is an insult to drunken sailors. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) so that's a good quote. So, So we've got those inflationary forces out there. Government spending is inflationary, no question. And then we've got the deflationary forces of technology. And, you know, in, in, in the cost of housing to directly attack that question, 
I don't know. You know, there's all this stuff about the 3D printed houses. And yes, a few of them have been built, but they're kind of weird. Um, and they, the thing people don't understand is even if the construction becomes easier and faster mm-hmm. to build the house, it still uses the commodity of land. Mm-hmm. And it most definitely still uses the commodity of building materials. Mm-hmm. Something goes in the 3D printer, like a petroleum-based product. Or wood. That, yeah. Well, wood 3D printed house? Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, well, it wouldn't be all wood, but certain wood can be assembled by a robot or it could be cut automatically by... Well, that's not 3D printing. Though. Well, 3D printing, yeah. You can, yeah. you can 3D print concrete. You can 3D print, you know, yeah. the petroleum-based composite stuff. But right, yeah, right. still, the assembly is going to be a lot more efficient. No question yeah. about you it. Can't re- you can't, like, create trees out of nothing. The, that's not yet. <laughs> but, no, I, hey, look at We created a meatball in a lab. Okay, so who knows? Who knows if we can create, uh, you know, genetically engineered trees, of course, uh, you know, grown out of nothing into something. So we'll, we'll see where this all goes. But that the house still takes materials. And the difference between robotic manufacturing and the specific robotic manufacturing called 3D printing is that 3D printing is what's known as additive manufacturing. So it's ideal for petroleum-based products Mm -hmm. because the, the plastic genre of materials is, is very good at additive, yeah, yeah. you know, where it adds, 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 and builds it and, 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 and adds to it and creates something like that. Mm-hmm. So houses still take building materials until the day when we live in a force field. And maybe we come home and push a button or think a thought and our house appears as a force field around us and it's not really made of matter i never thought of that that's that's that definitely, <laughs> i'm going way off yeah on you're way off on that one no but that but again everything you're everything you're saying again what, what is initiating that and it's really that human driving force to get better to get cheaper to get more efficient but it's fascinating because you do have that opposite force which is government right or just the nature of economy we've had this you know conditioned idea that we need growth every year growth growth, 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 growth. And if we don't have, and growth is all measured in increasing prices, which that doesn't, that is not the only way to measure growth. But in the end, that's what their initiative is. And that's what they're driving toward. When you say they, you're talking about governments and central banks. Yeah. 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 Well, they're, they have a target inflation rate uh, dictated by what's called the Phillips curve, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the, the thought that, uh, and I'm not explaining this perfectly, but Mm -hmm go to Wikipedia and look up Phillips curve. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that the government wants to target, you know, two or 3% inflation, because if they don't get that, then the economy doesn't grow properly and unemployment increases. But the thing I don't know that we should talk about on another show, because it's a long subject, mm-hmm. is the whole concept of robotics and what that means to employment. I mean, this is giant. And mm-hmm. folks, this is not, here is the critical thing, listeners. This is closer than you think. This is not far off. I'm talking three to five years before you see huge impacts from what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is not 10, 15 years away, and it's not a quarter century away. Mm -hmm. It is right around the corner. And there's another big thing that we should also talk about in the future. And that's, uh, I, I started about a year ago hosting a new show called the longevity and biohacking show. In addition to my popular real estate show, uh, called the creating wealth show. Uh, but we are on the verge, I believe of giant advances in life expectancy. And Pat, that has such big impact on the economy because what happens to social security if people live 
25, 30 years longer. Social Security was designed for people to live... 65, 67 years old. Yeah, yeah, to like live four years after retirement, okay, and then die. Die. You know, die at 69. Not 20, not 25, not 30. Yeah, and and so we already are struggling with that problem. Mm -hmm. Look at Europe, which is an absolute disaster. I mean, Europe is a mess. China's a mess Mm -hmm. of for kind of the opposite side of that problem because they don't have enough, uh, you know, because their one-child policy is just ru- going to ruin China. It's, mm-hmm. You're already seeing a little bit of that. Well, they start, they've gotten to the second, they allow a second child now. Yeah, I know, but it's too late. But it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's over, game over. Uh, so um, huge impacts here. And so the question is, what does that mean for unemployment? What does it mean for government budgets? What does it mean for inflation and central banks and monetary policy? The impacts are ginormous Mm -hmm. and uh we should tackle that along with robotics on another episode and it's more of you know i think the reason why we like talking about this is is as you look as you look toward the future first as i said before it's not gonna have it's not gonna be the exact you know description that we think it's gonna be right there's always gonna be different changes and it's time frames and so forth but i i you and i agree on a lot of things and i agree on that i agree it's going to be coming very quickly because the speed at which we're accelerating toward oh, that is exponential. is, is yeah. exponential and so but i always look at okay why is that going to happen and what does that mean for me what does that mean for business what does that mean for opportunity and if i think more people would start to ask themselves that those questions now they're going to read differently they're going to you know pay attention Absolutely. to certain things yeah. differently and i think that's very you, powerful you bring a different self Mm -hmm. to the environment. And when you start thinking about all of these disruptive technologies, you think, how does that impact my business? One of the things, you know, one of my very early mentors, fortunately, was Earl Nightingale, along with Jim Rohn, Dennis Waitley, Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those guys changed my life at 17 years old. And um, one of the things Earl Nightingale used to talk about is he used to say, um, the thing you've got to do is every day ask yourself how your business, your company, your profession will be done differently in five years or 10 years. And now that old Earl Nightingale thing, and Earl Nightingale died back in 1989. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, old thinking, you know, he was popular in what, the sixties, the seventies, fifties, even. Yeah. It was way before my time. I'm glad to say, but but, you know, I, I still loved his work and still do. And um, now that's just massively compressed and the impact is massively increased. So it's not a question of how will this impact your your world in 10 years? It's how will it impact it next year and the year after? And the impact is so much greater. I mean, this is not a linear change anymore. It is exponential times. Mm. And uh, we've got to be prepared for that. And so many people are still asking the question, you know, who moved my cheese, yeah. right? As the famous, I had Ken Blanchard <laughs> on my show. And uh, and uh, so, you know, that 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 cheese is getting moved around a lot faster now. Well, I think it, that's one of the human, I mean, one of the d- deficiencies I think we have as humans is we come to a conclusion and it, we are so set in our ways and unwilling to change. It's kind of the ego side of things. So I would say, you know, what I've tried to do lately and, and what I try to observe is, not coming to conclusions, not saying this is absolute, this is absolute, this is absolute, is just saying, okay, well, 
is it absolute and or could it change? And I think if, yeah. if people thought that way, they'd have much less disappointment. Because I think people, when they come to certain conclusions and they expect things to be a certain way and it doesn't happen, it's like life life is over. Right. It's never, there's hardly been any type of absolutes that have, that have occurred in, in throughout human history. So it's more of because of where we're at in the state of our society, it's it's paying attention. It's looking for the opportunities. It's, it's networking. It's building on that momentum and not getting stuck in your ways. No question about it. But I don't think we should beat ourselves up too much for being that way. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, it served us for all time until really the last couple of decades when the acceleration of change happened so much faster. Because in the old days, thinking in that sort of consistent linear way was the way the world worked. Mm -hmm. And that was our survival skill back Mm -hmm. then. But now, because things are changing so quickly, we need a new set of survival skills. And we need to not be stuck to the past. And uh, so it's a it's a whole new world. <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's an under that's an understatement. That that's the understatement of the uh, the the century, maybe. But uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll wrap this up with a, a great Yogi Berra quote. And uh, you know, he had such funny, awesomely insightful quotes. He, and the one one I like a lot is he said, "The future ain't what it used to be." That's short, sweet, to the point. <laughs> but you're right, and I and I, I don't know. I love I love reading. I love seeing what people are thinking. But maybe as we end, what are what are some ways in which you keep up with with a lot of this? What are what are books, blogs, people you follow that where you try to get pl- you keep plugged in to? Because you're you're obviously you have multiple podcasts. You've you're well networked. You're well plugged in. What are some of kind of like the top books or the top blogs or feeds or sites that you're consistently looking at? Yes. Yeah, so um, I I think one of the most important things is that you you want to really consciously choose your relationships, your friendships. And um, that's one of the reasons mastermind groups are so powerful. You know, good old Napoleon Hill back in, what, the 20s or 30s uh, of 1900, by the way, <laughs> I guess I better say that. Uh, you know, he, he talked about the power of the mastermind group. And so y- you want to hang out with people who are maybe thinking more broadly than you, doing more than you, earning more than you, um, don't be the smartest guy in the room. You know, tr- constantly challenge yourself to be one of the dumbest people in the room because that means you're in a really powerful room. And you're going to okay. get stretched. Yeah, you're, and you're going to get stretched. So I'd say that's the first thing. Listening to, you know, good podcasts are very important, of course. And um, books, gosh, I mean, um, the the era of books is changing so much and the era of publishing is changing so much. Um, you know, I, I love great books. Um one that I just uh, finished, gosh, i got to look it up on Audible to get you the exact title, uh, <laughs> but um, this was an audio book I just did, and it, uh, I'll get it in a minute. Well, you, we yeah, and, and that's, and I remember the, one of the first times we uh, we had a pretty lengthy discussion, we uh, we were comparing our, our Audible libraries, because that's, yeah. sitting down and reading a book, that is that is difficult for, for me. Me, it's multitasking, yeah. but I find a huge amount of value in being able to be active while listening to books, and that's why Audible, yeah. you know, on two or three x speed is uh, is powerful. I, I like to read too, but you know, it's reading is not a portable activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to audio is. Well, once you have like your network self driving so, yeah. cars, then yeah. you know that. Then that's you can where, read again. Then you can read again. You know, the car will still bump around <laughs> until it levitates. 
and that's probably coming too. <laughs> when when is the flying car going to be here? You know, I remember watching the Jetsons, and that just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So this book, uh, really interesting. It's called Originals: uh, How Nonconformists Move the World, and it's by Adam Grant. Really interesting book, mm. and um, you know a lot of great things. Uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel was a recent one. Um, you know, there there are just so many great books out there. But the problem again with books, and I mean, this industry has obviously changed so much, is if it goes through the traditional publishing channels and not being self-published, by the time you're getting that book, it's two years old, if not older. Yep. So in a world of that's why podcasting change, that's why yeah. podcasting is immediate right podcasting yeah. it's top of mind tip of tongue yeah it's it's the current events it's what's going on right now yeah what are, so do it. you have any any uh, podcasts that you that you like listening to that kind of keep you plugged in keep you engaged keep you stimulated in, intellectually besides um, your own yeah yeah well I like all my own podcasts <laughs> <laughs> quite well <laughs> I love that I get to ask the questions of all these experts I interview and um, and so I've got 21 different shows oh my gosh you can just search my name on iTunes or whatever podcast platform find those so little shameless self-promotion there yeah. but I like your podcast because you're a forward thinker mm-hmm. uh, obviously and I know your listeners can tell that mm-hmm. and I I like just some of the news sources um, you know like uh, uh, Newser is a great little news app mm-hmm. I like, a really quick two-paragraph uh, news. Uh, Business Insider is pretty good, too, but, uh, you know, a lot of it's, there's a lot of clickbait out there, too, which, frankly, the title is so compelling, but then the article itself is less compelling. I'm <laughs> not you, criticizing Business Insider. I just thought of that concept, but they do it, too. Do you listen to the, <laughs> the forward thinking? The forward thinking? Oh, podcast? yeah. I was yeah, going to mention yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, that would, yeah FWD thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, podcast. Yeah. I like that one, too, because uh, they talk about technology yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah, never yeah. even talked about that before, no. have we? But we both topic, listen to Topic that for, our next, topic yeah, for our next yeah, one. Yeah. Well, that's a good podcast. I like that one. Yeah. But I, I think, yeah, and, and there's a lot out there, and, and sometimes you'll gravitate toward one person than, than another, but there are so many out there. It's just more of finding, finding you know, what really keeps you uh, engaged, keeps you uh, interested, because in the end, I think technology is one of those things that everybody needs to start paying attention to, because it could totally throw a industry out of balance. It can throw... Uh, your career out of balance. It could throw your investing out of balance. So I would say getting plugged into that, the disruption that's going to occur is definitely going to change the world. And uh, I'm ex- I'm excited. I'm optimistic that it's going to, you know, it, it, it's going to improve. It's going to improve life despite a lot of the naysayers and the doomsayers that are out there that are taking, you know, a lot of what's going on to the negative extreme mm-hmm. and saying how the world is going to implode. But I never like to look yeah. at that. Well, look, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything is a mixed bag. There are always people that win and lose every time things change. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I agree with you, Pat. I think it's an amazing time to be alive. That's kind of my quote for the last couple of years. It's an amazing time to be alive. And, uh, you know, just, just keep up with it, everybody. And uh, I think you'll experience some amazing things that you just never even dreamed possible before. So it was great talking with you today. Dude, that, we had, like, likewise, we could go on and on and on about this. So we'll, do, uh, we'll definitely do it again. All right, Jason, thank you. Uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. And uh, happy investing and uh, embracing change. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show your gold standard in everything financial.